you have to preface what you want to say. Sometimes you think, mm, did I bring the right message? But when things are said or done, and, and it sticks with me, my grandmother would say, what's stuck in your craw? I mean, it's, it stays with you. It's like that musical earworm. Somebody plays a chicken dance, stays with you for a week. And there's a phrase that I've been hearing a lot of. I, I am blessed that I'm able to help families get through a loss. I do funerals. And I keep hearing, well, everything happens for a reason. And it, I hear it often, and it started to bother me. Well, why is that bothering me? Why do I hear that phrase? And I'm going, no, that's not true. Not everything happens for a reason. Sometimes things just happen. And so that was going through my thoughts, and it was funny that the, um, the reading I should happen upon was Jacob struggling, wrestling with the man. And so that's what I'd like to open with is the scriptures from Genesis. Uh, it's verse 22 to 31. I forgot to work down what chapter it was. But um, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that in my trying to discern why that upset me so and why I would prefer people didn't use that phrase, um, I hope it comes through. Because I had to find what God was saying to me to get through that. And there are so many struggles we do go through that if, if we stop and we just listen, I think it's it said there that that quiet whisper will come to you and say, here's why. <laughs> I can only hope you guys get the message I'm going for. Right. So, it's 32. 30, thank you. 32. Okay. It's Genesis chapter 32, oh. verses 22 to 31. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Shelley. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. I have learned that the things I struggle with are often the drive behind my searching the scriptures and challenging my own perspectives in order to make not just sense, but God's sense out of chaos. And lately it's been that phrase that people use without considering their appropriateness. It's like the opposite of an attention deficit when I hear this. It's a hunger for understanding. And you take the phrase 
only the good die young. Is that saying that the biblical three score and ten is a believer's expiry date? And that living more than 70 years is just taking a great big risk? Or the phrase, God loves a cheerful giver, so grumpy charitable people aren't eligible for heaven? But the words I have fixated on for the last while are used frequently when people are facing a difficult or a tragic situation. Oh, everything happens for a reason. Now, Jacob wrestled with a man or an angel or with his own conscience or with God or with an entity in the nightmare or with Esau or the devil, depending on what translation you use. He struggled is the main point. And when I started to research this part of Jacob's journey, I ended up going down the proverbial rabbit hole of perspectives. In my simple understanding from Sunday school, I thought it was Jacob struggling with his decision whether or not to go back and apologize to his brother Esau. He stole his inheritance. How innocent I was. In my reading, I found these words which helped, which helped me to understand the story in a more mature believer's way. These words are from Marion Widmalm, and she writes a podcast, Christian podcast. And she says, If Jacob fought God, why would Yahweh appear as a man to fight Jacob at night and then put his hip socket out of place to win? Wouldn't God or one of his angels easily win over Jacob? Instead, the man fighting with Jacob lost. Hosea said that God would punish Jacob because of his ways and deeds, but did he send his angel to punish him with a fight, or did he allow the adversary, Satan, to go after him? By all indications, Jacob fought a supernatural being. Perhaps the struggle itself, emphasized by the man coming at night, can be understood as Jacob's struggle with evil. It was embodied in this man who came between him and God as an opponent. When Jacob won the fight, he conquered evil, which enabled him to see Yahweh face to face. And one other small point of interest in the translation of the Hebrew word in the phrase, Jacob met God face to face. It can just as easily been, be translated as Jacob found God. Found here alludes to a seeking after, something a little more profound than just meeting God. So that's a rather long preamble to the point that I really want to share this morning, which is, Wrestling with ideas and situations that can present a barrier to our understanding of God's ways and his word. Statements from which we must discern whether they benefit God or man or no one at all. Everything happens for a reason and my struggle is, does it? I'm going to provide some biblical and some daily circumstances that help me to clarify my struggle with everything happens for a reason. And I propose that although reason and purpose mean the same thing in a dictionary, I don't feel they mean the same when we are describing our journey of faith. 
In the end, I concluded that reason is an earthly explanation for events. But purpose leads us to believe that God wants me to think and move beyond the event which is now in the past, but has a present and a future. Because of our mortality, we only can exist in the present. Events in our past can explain how we got to this present moment, supporting the idea that there is a reason why or how we became believers. But now that we're here, there needs to be a purpose for us to move from this time and place so that our faith does not become dormant or worse, stagnant. And no one can accuse us of thinking that it's just enough to be baptized in biblical. Things happen for a reason or things happen with a purpose in God. Two quick examples hopefully to explain my theory in the worldly sense. You get pulled over on the highway for speeding. The reason you get caught is because a speed-detecting radar registered your velocity and a police officer determined that you were well above the posted speed limit. You see the flashing lights, you understand that you need to move off to the shoulder of the road and face the music. Once you shut off your engine, that initial moment is in the past. Now you're parked, the officer is approaching your car, and you're wishing you'd stayed in bed. <laughs> That's the present. The future is found in the purpose in pulling drivers over for speeding. I mean, I'm not accusing anybody, I'm not suggesting anybody has ever been in that situation, but I'm going to ask, What's the reason that they pull people over for speeding? I mean, they do it all the time. Why bother? What is the reason? No, sorry. What is the purpose in pulling people over? And it's a question I'm asking. Do you have an answer? Why? What is the purpose in pulling people over? Keep the roads safe. Keep the roads safe, okay? Mm -hmm. No. Right there, but from here on in. Keep people doing it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Keep them from doing it again, yeah. right? It's, there's, a, there's a purpose there for that driver. It's not for everybody else. They're just going about their merry way, but now he's been caught. And there's a purpose. It's to protect others. It's to make the road safe for others. There is a purpose in it. The reason we know you wouldn't take your foot off the accelerator. That's a reason. That's a worldly thing. But where do you go from here? That's a God. One more scenario before I go into scriptures. My best friend from high school died of cancer. The reason for his death was the fact that his cells in his body mutated and started to consume his energy from the inside out. That's the reason why he died. But the question remains, what was the purpose in him suffering and dying? Was there any godly or human benefit in his death. That's something I still struggle with, Jacob, and I have that in common. There is a purpose. I haven't figured it out yet, but there's a purpose. So, things that came to me from Scripture, the reason, the reason, the, the earthly, the logical reason 
that the people of Noah's day died was because their lungs filled with water and they drowned. That's the reason. The purpose in their dying was to reestablish mankind in the hopes that they would learn and obey God's wisdom. They weren't doing it. God said, I've got to start again. The reason Moses and the Hebrews were able to escape from Pharaoh's army is because the Egyptian army's lungs filled with water and they drowned. That was the reason, earthly. The purpose in their dying was so the Hebrews would survive captivity and reestablish Israel in the hopes that it would learn and obey God's wisdom. The reason King David partially fell from God's grace, he only fell partially. People get upset with that who, who want to criticize Christians in the Bible. Oh, look at David. He was a horrible person. But God didn't give up on him. He didn't completely remove his grace. He said, no, nah, I've got bigger things for you. But the reason that he fell partially from God's grace was because he rejected God's word, he committed adultery and murder. But the purpose in God's desire to spare David was that he could recapture Jerusalem from the Jebusites and establish it as the royal city and the religious center where people might go once again to learn and obey God's wisdom. The reason Jesus came to earth was to fulfill a prophecy. I'm here to fulfill a prophecy because it was written long ago. Here I am. That's the reason I'm here. But... The purpose in his coming was to redeem mankind by teaching them how important it is to learn and obey God's promise, sorry, God's wisdom. The reason Jesus died on the cross was due to collapsed lungs, a failing heart, and a loss of blood. That's a human earthly reason, but the purpose in Jesus' dying was to save individuals from entertaining evil practices, to clear a path to commune directly with God through Christ so they could teach and obey the wisdom of God which leads to eternal life. My conclusion, if I actually did reach a conclusion, is that reason is a logical or a biological explanation of events in the past while a purpose is a Holy Spirit explanation of events we are meant to fulfill. When something happens to you or to those who are a cherished part of your life, whether it's good or bad, think about what you might say to them or to yourself. Everything happens for a reason. Seems to me dismissive. No, well, don't think about it. Everything happens for a reason. But when someone is suffering loss or struggling to make a decision that will affect their lives, everything happens for a reason is not consoling. It is not helpful. And for myself, I'm now more inclined to say to someone, how do you see yourself moving from here? What purpose do you see for yourself from this situation? And if I'm empowered, perhaps, I share some words of God's wisdom or an act of love as demonstrated by Jesus. 
We don't need to question God's reasoning for everything that happens, but we are challenged to discern his purpose for us as an outcome of what happens. I'm going to finish with Romans chapter 8. It jumps 15, 21, and then jump to 31, 33. I've chosen the Message Bible. I know some people get upset with it, but I think it explained something easily um, because of the way it was worded. And I read, This resurrection life that you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. It is greeting God with a child like, What's next, Papa? God's Spirit touches our spirits, confirms who we really are. We know who He is. We know who we are, Father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we certainly will go through the good times with him. That's why I don't think that there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Everything happens with a purpose. And if it's God's purpose, surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. For those that I'm meeting for the first time, I always follow up with a song. So. <laughs> Amen. This is very contemporary. I love this piece. We're not so far from Easter. I'm always worried going over the roads if it's going to stay in tune. It's called Every Morning is Easter Morning. Every Morning is Easter Morning. Every morning is Easter morning from now on. Every day's resurrection day, the past is over and gone. Goodbye guilt, goodbye fear, good riddance, hello Lord, hello son. I'm one of the Easter people, my new life has begun. Every morning is Easter morning from now on. Every day's resurrection day, the past is over and gone. 
Daily news is so bad it seems the good news seldom gets heard. Get it straight from the Easter people, God's in charge, spread the word. Every morning is Easter morning from now on. Every day's resurrection day, the past is over and gone. Yesterday I was bored and lonely, but today look and see. I belong to the Easter people, life's exciting for me. Every morning is Easter morning from now on. Every day's resurrection day, the past is over and gone. Every morning is Easter morning, every morning. Easter morning from now on. Let's pray. Dear God, we are in this world, but you tell us we're not of this world because this is not our final home. We are here to surround ourselves with deeds that need to be done, with people we need to meet, with blessings we need to spread around our communities. You give us families. You give us friends. You show us their concerns, and we are supposed to react. But sometimes we're worn down by all the negative things that are going on in the world. We can't change them. You ask us to concentrate on those who live beside us, who sit beside us, who walk the same streets we do. And that is our focus. Through Jesus' love and his miracles and his promises and his connection with you, because he says, you are in me and I am in the Father. We are strengthened as we are commissioned to do Christ's work until he returns. So help us with courage, with God's word, with helping hands, and with all other resources we have. Let us make this world a better living place for those around us. Give us the strength. Show us the road. And let us love our neighbor as we love ourselves and as you love us. In Jesus' name we pray.